You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better and create better content. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Sarah Lessire. Sarah is Director of Content Marketing at Gloat, a workforce agility platform. Sarah, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about Gloat. What is a workforce agility platform? So I, I would say a workforce agility platform helps organizations adopt skills-based talent management strategies. And what this does, is it allows them to shift and reallocate talent to meet business needs. And then on the other side of that, it really helps employees develop tailored careers that are based on their skills and on their aspirations and not just on their job descriptions. So it helps companies become much more adaptive to market changes, and it also helps them retain their people through much more interesting career opportunities. Okay, very good. Sounds like a valuable platform, especially with uh, the workforce in such sort of weird turmoil these days. Absolutely. It's very timely. Yeah. So our topic today is using SDRs and salespeople as content, content distribution channels. A very intriguing concept. So let's just start right right there. How how do you use SDRs and salespeople as a distribution channel? Like what does that mean? Well well, I guess before going to the how, like I want to double click into the why okay. because it's kind of a, a, it's a slightly different idea. But what I noticed is that content leads or directors of content teams are often responsible for the non-paid distribution metrics. And so there's a emphasis on diversifying and expanding on those particular distribution channels. And so we think about blog and we think about organic search and we think about email or newsletters or social media, but there's a whole slew of SDRs and AEs who are sitting there and on a day-to-day basis, exchanging communications with prospects that have hopefully much higher intent than whoever's like your follower on social media. And so seeing that as an often untapped content channel or distribution channel is like how I got to to wanting to do this work. It also ensures the continuation of the content journey, not just at a branding and, and tone level, but narrative wise, which I think is really important because we have a tendency to see prospects or like like yeah, to see that audiences marketing audiences as one type of person and then they become a sales prospect and we think they're a different type of person and then hopefully they become a customer and they're yet a different kind of person but that's still the same joe or jane throughout the same process Mm. right so i think making sure that that narrative is consistent and adapted to what they're interested in throughout their journey is really important i also really believe that content's role doesn't stop at the MQL stage. It should be a permeation through that entire journey, right? And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, just really understanding that intent is more, is the the quality over the quantity. So Mm -hmm. more eyeballs is not always better. More engaged eyeballs are what I'm after. So this is kind of how I get interested in in doing, doing this. I can 
dive into the how if you'd like or if you want to respond to that i don't know yeah yeah well well i definitely want to get into some specific examples of how that works but just to make sure i understand so that again the point is that these are the folks who are talking to the most qualified prospects the people who have the greatest amount of intent right as far as you know as opposed yeah. to the random person who might read your blog post or or whatnot yeah okay i get it yeah. and so it okay, so it kind of seems like common sense then that okay, if SDR yeah. salespeople they're talking, they're having one-on-one -on -one conversations with these folks. Why not empower them to help distribute all the content you're creating directly to these people? Yes, it's it's mm -hmm. definitely not black magic. It is common sense. It is a little bit less obvious because of how organizations are structured and because of the chasm between marketing and sales teams that are is unfortunately present in many organizations, but it it is pretty simple when you think about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think in the natural course of their work, like a salesperson is sharing content with prospects, right? Mm -hmm. Just as yeah. part of their job. So mm -hmm. is what you're proposing sort of in addition to that or different than that or or not necessarily? I think it's an optimization of what that looks like because in, in my limited experience, I'm not an AE, I've never been an SDR, but what I understand happens is that people have a couple PDFs saved on their desktop. They have a couple go-to blogs that they remember exist or the one ebook. And then they kind of get into a rhythm with this because it's impossible to get an accurate picture and remember all the contents that mm. your marketing team creates. Like I, my team creates it and I can barely remember what all we put out, right? Especially after many years, it's a big body of work. So I, I think it's really putting in place the tools and best practices and the, the ease of distribution and then making it worth it to them to do this work as well, giving them something at maybe at the data or at the engagement level that makes it really worth it for them. Okay, got it, right. So in other words, you want to, like you said, optimize the process so that the a given yeah. salesperson or, or SDR isn't just going again and again back to the same piece of content because that's the one that they know or they happen to have handy. You want to make more content more available, if and I'm hearing you right. data on how that content is being engaged with. Because ah, okay. in most systems, they have no idea. They send mm, a two-pager, okay. maybe the person downloads it. Do they read it? We don't know. Mm -hmm. Do they like it? Is it for five seconds or for five yeah. minutes? Do they send it to somebody else? We don't know. So it's a very black box process at like initially. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, give us some examples of how you put this into practice. Okay. So the, the, the first is maybe really obvious, but to make it really easy for them to enhance their communications with your content and find what they need. There's a lot of tech that can support that ease of use that would be like query based or text based searches. I'm not going to go into all of this, but it has to be easy. The second I would say is make sure you're using the same structures and the same narrative. For example, something that we do at Gloat is we are, have aligned our content themes or our topics with the sales use cases. So we all know what these are and they're not like abstract buckets for salespeople. They know exactly what we're talking about. Also make sure we're using the same success metrics for the particular project. 
whether it's like use by sales or prospect engagement, like it's really important that we look at the same North Stars and then also put that into their, their, their individual goals. I, I was very lucky to get the, the support of our sales leaders. And so for the launch of our initiative, we have a certain number of opportunities per AE that must come from this initiative as a goal. So it's really incentivizing them to to do it. It's not just this this nice to have marketing adjacent initiative. And then the last thing I would say is make sure you have really strong markups to understand what's going on, to measure engagement for the content and sales conversation. An example of that would be that we, for the most part, have stopped sending PDFs. We have web-hosted PDFs so we can understand mm. what's actually happening to it. That's a little detail, but there's like a lot of different tools that can be involved mm. there and, and you need something pretty strong like to get robust and reliable data in terms of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how much have you had to sort of convince sales that this is worth doing? You know, the what, whatever extra effort they have to make on their part. Yeah. You got to convince sales it's worth doing and you got to convince a lot of people it's worth doing. I think how you do that is really focusing on on the benefits for them. You got to sell to the salespeople, which is a fun mm. exercise, yeah. in, in meta exercise. So what I put forward is first, I'm going to ensure that your communications are value packed. And what what's helpful there is sometimes I think when you're in the flow of writing email after email, communication after communication, it's easy to kind of fall into a groove of always using the same go-to phrases, the same go-to assets, and it becomes a little bit dull, at least on, on, the, on the, the sales rep side to always do the same thing. When they have access to this huge panoply of content and pieces that they can send and, and a data bank of, of statistics that can enhance their communications. I think it, it helps unlocking more interest even to the person who is writing the emails. Like, oh, and here's this data that supports what I'm saying. And actually we have a guide about this. Let me attach this too. And so it becomes more of a tailorized exercise, which I think sparks more interest and curiosity. Second, which is a little less fluffy and much more punchy is really offering them a deeper understanding of what resonates and interests the prospect. That is not something that they always have access to. And it would really help with discovery calls, for example, if they had a much better understanding even before getting to that call of what certain prospects are resonating with, what they've spent time looking at instead of like, using a first whole hour to even understand like what specific use case of our solution Mm -hmm. are they interested in right and then lastly to offer them like a lead and account view of engagement with the content helps them get a better understanding of the whole buying committee because like in b2b business it's like one of the hardest things to understand is these like inner dynamics of the buyer committee because it's not a replicable model. It's going to be different at every company. And it's an exercise in 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 you know interpersonal dynamics and and almost like psychology understanding of what's even going on on the other side of the screen or in this other room. And so having a little bit more insight into what each person specifically is interested in and who shared what with whom could be like good good fodder for those conversations. Okay. Wow. So, you know, I would think that 
the 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 more the, that you're collaborating with sales in this way that and the more exposure they have to the data and the content that you're creating that it might go both ways that they might it, this might spark ideas in their minds because they they know these prospects right probably better than anyone else and yeah. what's and what might resonate with them do you find that they'll come back to you and say oh we should create this kind of content or we might want to tweak this piece in that in this way yeah, I, I, I find that to be like, a, I guess, another must must do in order to do something like this successfully is to make yourself known and develop relationships, not just with the sales leaders and the sales enablement team, but with the people who are doing the work day in mm. and day out so that they know that they can come to you, whether yeah. it's like help finding a specific thing or asking to create a new piece of content or saying, actually, I found this and that, but I was hoping to find something that's emerging of both or this third thing that I can't seem to find. And this is like really valuable feedback for me as a content lead because I otherwise don't have it, right? This is the mm -hmm. only way I could possibly get to that. Like my SEO reports aren't going to tell me this kind yeah. of like qualitative very like real and in the flow of work type of feedback. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think make yourself known, make yourself their friends, understand how they work, what is important to them, what they care about, what's difficult and, and become their best friends. Yeah. yeah, indeed. So what's the main takeaway for marketing teams that, that want to try this process? Like where do you begin? I would say classic, but get everyone on board first. And that means your marketing leaders, your sales leaders, your enablement team, your markups, maybe your rev ops, depending on, on what your rev ops look like and really sell that idea internally and get them excited about it. Cause it's not, it's not a train you can pull alone. Like it's mm. definitely like a, a cross-functional initiative and you need a lot of support and help to get it off the ground. Another thing that I think is really important is communicating your trade-offs to your marketing leaders because to do this well, it will be time-consuming. Uh, I'm thinking mm -hmm. like for a successful launch, maybe six to 12 months probably to really mm -hmm. make sure it becomes like a habit. Solid six mm -hmm. months should get you somewhere, but keeping your finger on the pulse heavily for another six months. Yeah. Okay. So communicating that trade-off and then the last is to be ready to go outside your typical role and flow of work because this is a little bit of uncharted territory. And so doing this process, there's a lot of things that I've had to do that uh, I had never done before that didn't exactly fit my job description, but that, that, that isn't anyone else's job because it's not something we really do much of generally speaking. And so it's just be willing to get your hands dirty and try things you haven't tried before and learn processes or tools or techniques to to be able to be the person who handles that because nobody else is going to do it for you. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. decent amount of work, but it, yeah. but it sounds like the payoff, if, if you do it the right way, could be significant. Uh, what have yeah, you seen in I terms mean, of, what have you seen in terms of the ROI? Like how, how well does it seem to be working? Where we're still early on in our rollout, but I think the most promising data that I've seen so far is I think we have an average of, I want to say for blogs, we have an average of like a little under two minutes or like one, one minute, 57 seconds of engagement time of somebody reading our piece. When a salesperson sent them, we're over five minutes. So that is like mm -hmm. a huge 
huge, huge difference in that intent that I was talking about and how people are actually yeah. paying attention. So that's early metrics, but it seems really, really promising at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ideally, what I want to see is being able, because it, it, it depends on like how fast your company sells. We are in the kind of business that has a longer sales cycle. And so when you have a long sales cycle and you do content, everything takes a long time to come back to you. But, but what I want to end up seeing is understanding engagement with content at every stage of the funnel, which I think might be even more insightful than, you know, pipe revenue generated by content. Okay. Great stuff. And actually, I do have one last question, which is how can Great. people get in touch with you? Oh, I'm on LinkedIn. So Sarah Liss, I are on LinkedIn. I don't, I think there's maybe two of us in the world. We're both <laughs> Belgian. And the other one is a nurse and she ended up being a nurse on a surgery that I got. So I got to meet her back when I lived in Belgium. Oh, no kidding. Really? really? Yeah. So random. Yeah. I met my, wow. my only named doppelganger. She was my nurse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty cool. Was she nice? Yeah. She was great. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Shout out yeah. the other Sarah Messire. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, yeah. Listeners, watchers connect with Sarah on LinkedIn. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn page in the show notes. And well, Sarah, thank you so much. That was a really, really thoughtful conversation. Really good. Thank you so much for your time. Great. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Had a good time. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.